Blog Talk Radio. Sylvia, your host of sylviaglobal.com radio, and I'm so very excited to be here with you today. Our special guest is filled with so much wisdom and experience around healing and living a life of contentment um, centered around both our hearts and uh, healing and health and also our philanthropy. Her name is Laura Lesher. She is a leadership coach, a philanthropic advisor, and a consultant supporting individuals and organizations that are devoting their lives and resources to inner and outer healing and transformation. She is a renowned philanthropic leader and innovator, previously co-founded and directed the APOC Fund, a foundation that supported artists, healers, activists, and movements engaged in transforming ecological, cultural, economic and social conditions so that all people on the planet can thrive. Laura, thank you so much for being here today. How are you? Thank you, Gail Sylvia. It's delightful to be here. I'm doing really well. It's a beautiful sunny day here in Ashland, Oregon. It's tranquil all around me and I'm happy to be here. Oh, well, we're really honored to have you. Ashland, Oregon, beautiful. It's God's country, huh? Isn't it? It's absolutely you know, I've only lived here a few months, but it feels like someone the other day said it's it's like the gentle valley, the rogue valley here is like the gentle valley, and that's how it feels to be here, very gentle. Wow, wow. Are you, um, what is your, what led to um, your path to Oregon and being in a gentle valley? Hmm, that's a good question. Well, I lived in San Francisco for almost 20 years and um, had been working there, and it was such a dynamic a live, vibrant place to be for so many years, but um, seven or eight years ago, I developed um, the beginnings of what became a chronic illness, and over time, I realized that being in that kind of environment with that much stimulation uh, was actually not supportive of my healing process, and um, the last two years, I have been spending half time in Brazil and half time in San Francisco, going back and forth because my partner was living in Brazil. And we, he didn't want to live in San Francisco, and I didn't want to live in Brazil. And so we together chose Ashland as a place that just has a lot of resources for healing. It's close to my family. I grew up in Oregon, up in Eugene and in Portland. And Salim, my partner, had lived here before and has a community here that's a very special, beautiful, conscious, wonderful group of people. So it just felt like the right next step. Share with us your healing journey. You know, what what has been your health journey? Mm, Well, it feels like it's been a long one. (laughs) But I would say what's maybe most relevant for this conversation is I had been... um, Working, overworking. You know, I you know I think we we all have ways that we're out of balance, probably, and some of them are more obvious to the outside. Where you know, if you're 
smoking and drinking too much and not exercising and all that, people can look from the outside and say, oh, that person isn't living a healthy lifestyle. But for some of us, our particular pathologies are ones that actually get rewarded <laughs> in this culture. So my pathologies were workaholism and, um, you know, overhelping. And so I had spent a lot of years um, really pushing through some exhaustion in my body in doing the work that I was doing and was slowly developing more and more symptoms that were a sign that I was out of balance. And about seven years ago, I had a major crash, you know, a burnout kind of crash where um, things just stopped working. My brain stopped working. My hormones went all out of whack. Uh, I developed a lot of pain in my body and um, pretty severe insomnia. And what I thought would be something that would I could just kind of get back on back on track and, and heal from quickly evolved into a chronic illness that I've been working with and learning to live with for the last, um, really full-time for the last seven years. It's sort of like front and center in my daily experience for the last seven years. Was there a morning that you woke up and you just couldn't push forward anymore? Was there some particular defining moment that made you aware? Yeah, it's it's a good it's a good question and I think in reflecting back on it what I can say is it had been building up for years. I was sort of they had become used to not feeling very well, used to feeling tired, used to pushing through. And then what happened was I got a cold, you know, a cold or a flu that really took me down and I just didn't recover from it. It was like it never went away all the way. And this is a story I hear frequently as I have been learning about um, other people's um, journeys with illness and healing that there's sort of predisposing factors um, and and levels of stress we can have in our bodies that, you know, sort of set us up for getting some sort of a virus or something that then puts our body into a kind of a traumatic crisis place that we have a very difficult time recovering from. And then the stress that's created from that then actually can perpetuate those symptoms and make them worse and create more imbalance in the body. So I would say it wasn't one one day waking up and recognizing, oh, this is something really big. It was just like it came on, it came on more and more and more. And it was actually after I'd slowed down, after I'd left an organization and it was really intending to focus on my healing and had really slowed down that it got much worse. It was like finally uh, my body could get my attention. I had some time to give to it, and it it did slow down. So um, I would say a, a defining moment in that um, was after a couple of years of feeling like I was in crisis, like going from doctor to doctor, asking what's wrong with me, I need a diagnosis, or I need to know what to do to fix it, and really getting a lot of misdiagnosis um, or arguments among the doctors and practitioners about what was wrong and what to do about it. I remember a friend saying to me, I was walking in Golden Gate Park and speaking to her, and I was feeling a lot of distress and confusion and despair about it, and she said, you know what, Laura? Your body is actually your ally, and it's calling you inward. It's calling you into greater alignment. And that was a huge wake-up moment for me, 
that I, I had felt like I'd been in a battle with my body <laughs> and with the people around me who were trying to help and to really get that it wasn't a battle and that my body was not punishing me, but that it was like it was time to come into more of a dance and a deep listening to what my body was really inviting from me. That's uh, that's a part of the wisdom and the reason that I was so excited about and anxious, you know, to have you come on Sylvia Global is because you were able at least at some point, and maybe you can share with us at what point, um, to start to look at your health circumstances through a different lens. Yeah. You know, and to pay attention in a different way and thus respond. So I guess my next question is, when you, when before your friend said that to you, mm-hmm. was your frustration with, not being able to get it labeled and to solve it combined with the the symptoms yes i think it was both it was the the difficulty of just living in a body that doesn't feel well mm-hmm. and then the difficulty of taking that body dragging that body around <laughs> to different doctors and places and trying to get some help and feeling very i remember feeling very attached to wanting to be understood, mm-hmm. and that would create so much distress in the conversations mm-hmm. with the doctors and practitioners because it's so rare that you find a physician or anyone who really takes a holistic view. They've got their expertise and they're applying their tools to you, and I would leave every appointment just feeling like, God, they don't get it, they don't understand. Or I would get a diagnosis and start going down a rabbit hole of the treatments and ways that I needed to deal with that, and then have another practitioner say, well, no, you don't have, for example, Lyme disease. <laughs> or, you know, a lot of people go through all these different diagnoses. And no, you definitely shouldn't do that. You should look at this and do this. So um, it was it was the, the challenge of being in a body that's so tired. It was the frustration of not having um, a, a, a good diagnosis. And then finally when diagnosis would come, like, oh, you have chronic fatigue syndrome or fibromyalgia, in a way that's also just another trap because those are not actual diagnoses that are like, okay, and this is what it means, this is what you do about it. And at that time anyway, I didn't have access to all the information I have now about how much power and influence I have over my own healing process. Um, But I'll tell you what really shifted um, really shifted it for me was when I did meet my partner, Salim. We met um, about two and a half years ago through mutual friends who had said, you know, Laura, you've been dealing with this illness for you know five years and you're really struggling in it. And we have this friend named Salim, Salim Berryman, who has had a very severe chronic illness for 20 years and he's one of the happiest people we know. He lives joyfully with his illness. And uh, I thought, okay, I need to meet this person. <laughs> How is that possible? <laughs> you know, and we connected over the phone, actually. And what I really got from speaking to him was certainly he taught me a lot about happiness and happiness really being an inside job and really actually unrelated to the condition of our body or our outer accomplishments or what's going on around us, that there really is a way to tap to a, tap, tap into a happiness that is so much deeper than any of that. And the other message I really got from him was 
that there's nothing more or less valuable about one's job being healing from an illness. You know, it's not more or less valuable than running an organization that's contributing in the community. That if this is what life is presenting me at this time, then this is what life is asking of me, is to heal and to come into greater alignment. And that was such a liberating conclusion to come to because up until then it had been like, oh, I need to get well so I could go back to doing what I was doing before as opposed to really surrendering into, okay, this is what life is offering me right now is to work with this circumstance, to heal in this place, to learn about myself here (laughs) and then from there look at what comes next in my life and it's not about going back to what I was doing before. And so it's been really, yeah. Go ahead. You said it's been really what? Well, just it's been so essential for my own healing to get that no matter how discouraged I can feel or some days feel hopeless or just overwhelmed or exhausted, that I can always tap into a deeper essential place now of knowing that I'm truly okay and that whatever waves are coming, I don't have to fight them, I don't have to resist them, but it's okay if I do fight them or resist them with all of it. It's just waves and it's just my way of playing with them, but I can always go underneath that to this, you know, more like I'm the ocean (laughs) and I feel myself as the ocean and I'm so much bigger than these waves that come through every day. How will you know when you're healed? It's a great question. I actually don't even hold it so much anymore that I will be healed someday. It's more like I'm getting that healing is a lifelong process because it's not just about our physical bodies. Like I could say, okay, if I could sleep um, sleep at least seven hours a night and I could have relatively good energy during the day and that my body, you know, I had less pain in my body and that my body and how I feel in my body wasn't holding me back from doing the things that I really want to do in my life, mm-hmm. then I could say, okay, I'm healed enough at that level. But from from what I'm learning now, it's a never-ending process. We all have, whether whether we're in perfect physical health, well, then there's emotional work that we can do, or there's work with limiting beliefs um, that we have about ourselves or about the world, or there's healing we can do in our interpersonal relationships. So for me, I'm like a devoted, now lifelong student of healing in all its forms, and I trust that my body will get to a place where it's healed enough that I can go out and pursue more things that I want to, but um, I don't believe there's a place where I'm going to get to where I say, oh, I'm healed. I really believe that, um, and I'm excited now. Like, you know, when you get excited to be a lifelong learner, I'm excited to be a lifelong healer, (laughs) you know, lifelong healy. Are you, are there things that you can do now that you were not able to do two years ago and vice versa? Definitely. I would say... um, The biggest thing, like I would say two years ago, I would have said no when you asked me if we could have this conversation, you know, on the air to share with other people Mm -hmm. because I would have said, oh, that's something that um, would add stress to my life or um, would – 
or I just don't have anything to offer. You know, what would I have to say about health and healing? Here I am. I'm so sick. Like, why would anyone listen to me <laughs> with regards to health and healing? And so to get now to this point where you ask me this question, would you be willing to have this conversation? And I get so deeply how much I do have to offer other people who are on a healing journey. And it's like releasing the shame that I used to carry that w- that said, well, if I'm sick, it means there's something wrong with me. And there's something that I'm not doing right. Or if someone else is sick, it means something's wrong with them. They're not, they don't have it together or whatever. And to really get that um, we all have sicknesses in different ways. Some of it shows up in these big ways in our bodies. But um, anyway, that, that, that there's mm-hmm. something that I have to offer in just aligning that, that basically healing is a is a true life practice and a spiritual yeah. practice. But that's that's not answering your question. I want to go back to your question, which is there's something I can do now. And yes, my physical health is better. Um, I get up every morning and I walk for 45 minutes to an hour. That is something I couldn't have done two years ago. Um, I um, dance and play and can feel vibrant in my body. Sometimes, some days, and that's something I didn't do two years ago. Um, I have a lot less anxiety that I'm carrying, so I've learned to calm my nervous system, and that influences everything in my life. So, so that is very true. And I can still have days that are that feel like my worst days. I can wake up after not getting much sleep, and something's off in my system, and I just feel horrible. So, it's variable. What about 10 years ago? Mm. (laughs) Well, I can tell you what I can do now that I couldn't do 10 years ago. Because 10 years ago, I had more vibrant physical health. But I was acting out of places in myself that were mm, places where I didn't feel like I was enough, right? So I was accomplishing a lot in the world and um, doing big things and getting a lot done, able to take on massive amounts of work or show up and, you know, lead workshops for days on end or whatever I was doing um, that I can't do now. But what I can do now is um, feel my feelings in the moment when they come up. What I can do now is be absolutely present with someone to bring my presence and awareness both to be with myself and to be with someone else in such a still way that just my presence alone can be transformative that it isn't about what I can do or um, the top five tips I can give them for something but just being able to show up and kind of shine my presence through my being <laughs> is transformative for myself and for other people that's something I couldn't really do 10 years ago and I would say the other thing is I can sit with people's pain without needing to fix it mm-hmm. and be able to trust at a really much deeper level in their okayness just as they are and to trust in their resourcefulness. And I can say this for myself, too, sitting with my own pain without needing to fix it, sitting with my own, seeing my own resourcefulness. Um, And that was something 10 years ago where it was like I just, I had a lot of ideas about what needed to change in the world and what my role was in that and how other people needed to change. And that just a lot of that has fallen away. So you're... 
purpose for living or has shifted, it sounds, from an outward purpose to an inward purpose that has outward benefits. I think you know, that's that it, true, yeah. It's, it's uh, you know, so many of us are, in our society programs us to be this way, and not that there's anything necessarily, quote, wrong with it, but to be a better self and experience a contentment and a, a, a contentment within ourselves, then maybe we don't need to subscribe to the pressures of always looking at what we can do that's outwardly of value or defined as being important because we can give ourselves away through our careers and through our the development of you know of life through just life responsibilities whether it's within a family within a business within a job within a, you know as students in school um trying to reach those outward expectations and all along the that path we're losing you know trying to find that balance of not losing and giving so much of parts of ourselves away that we then have to collapse and then go back and retrace our steps and regather <laughs> like kind of pick up the the pieces that we you know lost dropped along the way and yeah. try to reassemble them inwardly And then in the process of trying to reassemble ourselves, you know, we become, we redefine who we are and what our purpose is, which seems, as I'm listening to you, sounds like it's more inner purpose that has outward value and looks at life very, experiences life in a much more wonderful way. Mm. Hmm. That's all really well said. It makes sense. It makes perfect sense. And what I, what comes to me when I hear you say that is like, it's just the word alignment. Like for each of us, each of us comes. I believe each of us comes into this world with some kind of a soul's purpose, and we don't always know that. And some of us, you know, we can spend our lives trying to figure out what that is. Um, But once it becomes clear. You know, our body and our surroundings show us when we're out of alignment with that purpose. And if we can keep focusing on bringing everything into alignment, even if it looks different than what we thought our life was going to look like, um, then we have the possibility of everything that we do outwardly is coming with much more ease and flow and is more likely to not only be successful but healthy, like healthy organizations, healthy relationships, if it's coming from a place of inner alignment and health. And it's like one person could do the same thing as someone else, but if it's in that person's life purpose and soul's purpose, it's going to flourish and it's going to support their wellness in the world. And someone else doing the exact same thing that's out of integrity for them, even though it's the same task, um, isn't going to flourish or isn't going to be healthy or isn't going to show up in the world in the same way. And so finding what is ours to do and what's not ours to do is so essential. And I think also what came up for me listening to you is just how this is a mirror and our own individual lives are a mirror of what's going on on the collective level as well. Like our world and our society is so unhealthy and so out of alignment collectively that wouldn't it be wonderful if we could just find all the ways to bring it into alignment and avoid 
a catastrophe or avoid more catastrophe. <laughs> um, but sometimes it's the crisis and the catastrophe that it actually takes to wake us up. So in an ideal world, for us as individuals, in our families and in our organizations, we can notice, oh, this is a little off. Oh, that's not quite right. What do I need to bring that into alignment? But in reality, for most of us and many of us, it takes a crisis, and then the crisis becomes the opportunity. And our world is at this place now where there are multiple crises on every level in every sector. And um, my hope is that it's sort of like what happens with individuals, like it takes a crisis for us to recognize how out of alignment we are and for us to be willing to make the radical changes that are necessary to come into health. Because if things are just a little bit bad, then we can just sort of work around it and keep going. But when they're like everything we know as we know it is no longer workable, then we have to change. And we're so adaptable. We just don't think we are. We're resistant to change. But once it's here, we as humans are so adaptable. So that's my hope for the larger world as well, is that these learnings that we have as individuals can be applied on a collective scale, and together we can get way more creative about how to heal what's um, what's necessary to heal for us to survive as a species, really, on this but planet. It's, it's, uh, but it's scary. It's very scary. It, 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 so there's the... There's the the expression that I used you know, in our family, you know, there's the fear side and then there's the faith side, you know, and trying to always stay on the faith side of the equation doesn't negate that visceral, that, that feeling in the gut sometimes that, that grabs us, that's the fear. And so when, I think when, when our bodies, because you and I have shared, you know, the, the medical, um, you know, journey that I've been on this past year now. It's been a, almost next month will be a year. And it started, you know, a few years ago. The symptoms started manifesting itself. And, you know, when we think that we're heading the right direction, our intentions are of a life of wholeness and health and well-being. And that has to include, you know, a balance of serenity and um, knowing how much stress um, is not good stress and, you know, some stress is sufficient to motivate us forward and we get good results from it and then it's supposed to end, not be compounded. And so when we are faced with, in my case, uh, you know, a major medical problem with all those circumstances that you shared so well, you know, that you experience, you know, the frustration, you know, the, you know, the, the questioning and the, not to mention all of the metal, various medical approaches that are trying to be understood because when you, we know our bodies, when we're accustomed to paying attention and thinking that we're taking care of it and then it crashes, you know, you can't help but have this fear of, man, you know, what did I do wrong? You know, and man, is this going to get worse before I get better? And man, this is not what I expected. You know, and man, it just kind of goes on and on. And then at some point, having to just silence that voice within of fear and just know that there has to be, um, for this, a purpose 
for this that can have greater value than if it had not happened. You know, um, so my question to you is, what did you do in those darkest moments when you were faced with fear? You know, mm-hmm. what, what? how did yeah. you handle that? Well, I, it's a really good question, and I think what it ties into is exactly what was coming up for me as I was hearing what you were saying just now, which is I really believe, and my experience has been with myself and with others, that it's in turning towards the darkness, in turning towards the pain, that that is really the doorway to healing, and that um, when we turn towards our despair and our fear, um, it's working with those emotions and facing them and letting ourselves feel them all the way that is what transforms them, that there's not a problem with any of that arising. There is not a problem with those darkest darkest moments um, that always, whatever is here, whether it's joy or extreme pain, whatever is here, no matter what it is, if we can turn our attention towards it and soften with it, it is always the doorway, the opening into transforming it. And it's not about um, bypassing it or transcending it in a way that it leaves it out, that we sort of like push it to the side. It's a way of transforming it and transcending it that actually includes it as part of us, but not as all of who we are, that it doesn't take over all of who we are. So I know we're probably close to out of time. There's so much more I could say about that, but there's, that's in, in a, a short way more. to say Yeah, that. there's so much more. I hope that you'll come back, Laura, because we didn't get to talk about the neuroplasty. We didn't get to talk about, you know, Wayne Mueller's book. You know, we have so much more that um, I'd love to have you share with our audience today. Um, thank you so much for being here on Sylvia Global. It's been such a pleasure. You're so enjoyable to speak with, So, and I hope it's helpful to, to your listeners. Thank you so oh, much. They can learn more. You can comment on this show and connect with Laura through sylviaglobal.com. Um, go to the health section. You can also follow us on face on Twitter and like us on Facebook. Uh, Laura, we'd love to have you come back. We're, we warning, we just touched the tip of the iceberg <laughs> on you know health and healing and that journey, the 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 wonderful journey, you know, for redefining health. Thank you so much. Thank you, Gail Sylvia. Have a wonderful day. Take care. Okay. Enjoy. Bye. Yeah, Sylvia.